All right, everyone. So um, when Ross asked me to speak a few weeks back, I had no idea which one of the 150 Psalms I could speak on. But um, after a wee bit of thought, I settled on one which has been a comfort to me personally in the last year. So as many of you will know, at the beginning of April last year, my dad was taken into hospital with high temperatures and sort of feverish symptoms. So when he got into the hospital and after a few tests, it became clear to the doctors that he had COVID-19. And then um, despite being taken into the hospital, the situation sort of deteriorated quite rapidly and the medical staff were sort of struggling to control his temperatures and his breathing, which eventually led to a spell in the intensive care unit at the Ulster Hospital. I have no doubt that he wouldn't have been able to make it through that challenging time had it not been for his own personal faith and the prayers of God's people. And I'm sure many of you are praying too and really appreciate that. But um, despite the fact that it was my dad who was in the hospital fighting the virus, the anxiety and the frustration of that time was something that everyone that close to him felt. Um, I'm very blessed that during that time, I had so many friends and family members praying for my dad and encouraging us. Many people were sending verses to us at that time, and they were very applicable. And to be honest, the vast majority of them were found in the Psalms. So when uh, when Ross asked me to speak on a Psalm, I had plenty of choice. To name a few, there was God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Uh, Psalms also said, cast their burdens upon the Lord. And another one that was a comfort um, was they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them. But it was actually a passage passed on to me by my nana that struck home with me the most. When I read the verses in Psalm chapter 61, it met me right at the point of my knee at that particular time. It's a Psalm of David, and despite not knowing the circumstances that prompted David to write those words, we're aware that David found himself in distress and trouble on numerous occasions during his life. I think the example of how David dealt with his troubles is one we can take great inspiration from. So if you have your Bible with you and you just want to turn with me to Psalm chapter 61, you can do that now. And I'll just read it out and we can see what we can learn from it. So Psalm chapter 61. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covered of thy wings, Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my voice. Thou hast given the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. All right, so the first thing that I noticed is immediately in verse one, we can see that David is in despair as he cries unto God. Notice how David doesn't look to fight the battle on his own strength. He realizes he needs God's help and he cries unto him. In verse two, we can see that David says he'll cry from the end of the earth. Whether this was literally or metaphorically, you know, at his wit's end, he knows that God was still there. He's omniscient. He is everywhere. And we can call upon him whenever we need to. The second part of that verse says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. We can all find ourselves overwhelmed. For some of us, it might be in school. For others, it might be their work. But I'm sure all of us can think of a time when we've felt overwhelmed. 
It is at this point that David says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The rock is a place of stability and security. Many of you will be familiar with the song Cornerstone, saying you fellowship. I'm not sure if the sound is there, but it's a pretty familiar song to most of us. And the chorus repeats the words, Christ the rock. David here is calling God his rock. He says the rock that is higher than I. He knows that God is higher than him in a heavenly sense, but also in the sense that God's ability and wisdom is far above his own too. Verse 3 of the chapter, it says, Thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. This verse contains reference to past faithfulness he has experienced. I'm sure each of us could also reflect on a time where God has proved himself to be faithful and led us through a trial. When our faith is tested, it is often easy to forget how God has been with us in the past. I, for one, during the time Dad had COVID, seemed to forget how God had acted during another period of illness he had suffered with cancer only a few years previously and had restored him back to health and strength. I'd encourage each of you to do as David does and take comfort in the trials that we've faced in the past and how God has brought us through them, as it'll be a great source of hope to you. David's referred to God as a rock. He also refers to him as a shelter and a strong strong tower, all places of refuge and security when in trouble. And this theme is continued through to verse 4. He says he'll abide in the tabernacle, which was God's dwelling place on earth. So he's basically saying again, he's abiding in God. He also says he'll trust in the covert of thy wings. The same as a helpless young chick trusts in the protection of a mother bird. There's no one piece of imagery that could really express the help and security God has provided for David. And then in verse 5, we read how David has made vows of his trust and allegiance to God. He was most likely on the throne at this time as king, and he has made personal vows to serve God. Verse 6 says that he that will prolong the king's life. David didn't say this, that he was confident in himself that he would get through whatever the trial was and he, you know, his time as king would be prolonged. Rather, he just believed so firmly that God was capable of bringing him through the trial. I think often, you know, we can confine the ability God has to our own limited understanding of his power, whereas we should really just fully trust in him and be filled with confidence that he is able to exceed all of our expectations. And then just lastly, I'd like to draw your attention to verse 8. It says, So I'll sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. David, upon being brought through his trials, and promises promises to sing praises. He realizes there's an obligation to thank God and honor him for his goodness towards him. It's really easy to forget to do that. And in many ways, I can say I haven't thanked God enough for what he's done for me. He's saved me and kept me and brought me through plenty of trials. He's provided me with good Christian friends and really he blesses us daily. The reminder to perform our vows is also given in verse 8. As Christians, each of us have a responsibility to serve God in whatever way we can. I'd just like to thank Ross for the opportunity like let me share with you all tonight as it has been a great chance for me to reflect on the goodness of God towards me personally and thank him for Already's done. Uh, thanks very much for having me. Um, it's good to be here. Um, as you'll figure out from me speaking here, I'm not really a speaker. It's not a gift I was given, but I suppose nobody else knows my testimony and what I do in my life any better than me or God. So it's up to me to to give it to you. So 
Uh, we'll just go into a, a short word testimony. Um, I'll not be very long here tonight. Um, so we'll just move on. Uh, as I said, my name is Stephen Moore. I was born in 8th 11th, 1979. Um, I was born in Lisburn, most of you know. Um, I was brought up in a Christian home. My mom and dad were both Christians and attended church regularly. Um, we, I was born on the farm. Um, I was the fourth child of five. I have three older brothers and a younger sister. So there's four boys and one girl. So you can imagine the girls spoiled rotten and the rest of us were just right there to work. Um, dad was a spud farmer um, and my mum ran a guest house. Uh, so we were always used to a busy, a busy farm and plenty of guests around the house. So uh, we were used to people coming and going out of our house. Now, I wouldn't have said... We grew up with not a serious amount of money or rich or anything like that there, but I had parents who were, uh, who loved us greatly and prayed very much for us and looked after us every way they could, which I am thankful to God for. And I'm very thankful that they were Christian parents, um, and that they looked after us, um, in every way that they could. And one of those ways they looked after us, as many of you will have probably been brought up, I was sent faithfully to Sunday school in Hillsborough Free Presbyterian Church. And uh, regularly every Sunday and then on to the, the Sunday service after that there. And then during the week, I was also sent to a Wednesday night CEF meeting down the road from where I live here in, in McConnell's house, uh, which was good. Also, I had a happy childhood. Yes, I had three older brothers. Yeah, I had to beat up every now and again, put them back in their place um, just to stop them from beating me up. Uh, and I had a younger sister, as I said. Who I don't let a finger on, or I got beat up by my father. So, um, that that was my childhood. I went to Cargy Cry Primary School. Most of you have never heard of that. Um, it was a wee primary school out in the country, which was probably in total there was only about thirty children from P one to P seven in it. There was only five in my class, so it was quite remote. And they've since shut it because it was so small. Um, so progressing on at about the age of seven or eight years of age. I can remember one night lying in my bed and I was on my own and there was a real uh, storm going on outside. There was thunder and lightning uh, going on outside. And I can remember even thinking at that tender age that I I was lying in my bed scared because I was on my own. And uh, I can remember thinking, I'm a sinner. And if something happened here tonight that uh, I know it may be silly looking back now that something happened just with a bit of thunder and lightning going on outside, but I remember thinking if something happened to me tonight and I was something, I was killed or something like that there, where would I spend my eternity? And even at that early age, I can remember thinking, you know, that I'm a sinner. Uh, as it says in Romans chapter three and verse 23, all of sin then comes short of the glory of God. You know, I knew I was a sinner even at that early stage. And I remember thinking, what will happen? What what would happen if I died tonight? And I knew what would happen. I would go to hell. I would spend the rest of my eternity in hell, which is not what I wanted. You see, the punishment of sin was death. Whenever Adam and Eve added that fruit, their punishment was death. And I knew that. And it says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And uh, I knew that I couldn't work my way into heaven, that I had to ask for that forgiveness. The, the price has already been paid. Jesus paid that price. Um, and all I had to do was accept that gift, which at the age of seven or eight, I did. Um, and I thank God for it. And I can remember um, 
saying it, I'm a bed, asking God to forgive me for the, the sins that I had done. And, and I automatically felt this weight lifted off my shoulder. Um, that there was something different from that day on that I knew that I was saved. Even though the devil has challenged me many times, I know that I was saved that night. Now, this is where my testimony is probably slightly different. The rest of you, most of you say there's no loud bangs or flashes. Well, I had thunder and lightning going outside, so I had loud bangs and flashes going on while I was getting saved, which makes mine slightly different. Um, you know, I thank God. It says in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And I trusted in him, and I know I'm going to heaven someday. Um, but unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, when you get saved, and most of you will know this here, when you get saved, the devil will work harder on you than he will on a person that he already has that is not saved. He'll, you know, the devil, anybody is saved, he'll challenge them harder, he'll make them, he'll tempt them more. That's my my feeling anyway. You know, it says in First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be sober, be valiant. Can't even speak now, Billiam, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he, whom he way to soar. And that's what happened to me. After a few years of being saved, I was already starting the weekend. You know, I went to church and I did all the things, but I suppose I come complacent. I had been saved. I didn't do the things that God wanted me to do. Um, so I was already starting the weekend and I wasn't probably reading my Bible the way I should or praying maybe the way I should. And I encourage you all to do that there because um, it's a good way to keep close to God. It's a good way to know what God has for you to do. So progressing on, I moved on to secondary school. Um, I went to listen to Garvey Heights School. Most of you probably haven't heard of that. It's in Lisburn. Um, at that stage, it's not anymore, but it used to be an old bully school. Um school uh i didn't like much about school i loved the sport i loved playing football i'd have played football all day if they allowed me i done running um i was actually quite good at sprinting not that i trained for it but i was quite good at sprinting and made it the um the ulsters in sprinting um maybe it was chasing after cattle i think maybe made me good at sprinting it was maybe my dad's fault why i was so good at running um thing I most I love most about school was probably the three thirty bell, which meant to say you'd go home and out of the road. Um whenever I was in school and I wouldn't promote this any, I made the odd visit to the headmaster's office, maybe against my will, but maybe because I was sent there. But the good thing about that there was the headmaster had went to school with my uncle. So whenever I got in there I started talking about my uncle and the headmaster kind of forgot what I was there for. And by the end of the conversation he says, right Whatever you're here for, don't do it again and away you go. But anyway, moving on, um, I only wanted the farm. I wasn't interested in school. Um, I would have worked all day on the farm and quite happily not went to school. Um, but at this stage, I still wasn't, I was still a Christian. I went through school, probably just drifted along, wasn't really doing anything wrong, but not doing anything for God either. I wasn't taking the stand. I should have done, and I hope you used to, and learn from my mistake or not. I wish I had of. Um, after school, whenever I come 16, I said all I wanted to do was farm, and I started to work for a contractor, a local contractor, um, Moore Lester, who used to do round bailing and things like that, um, out to the country. Now, I worked bits and pieces at that there, and then this guy, uh, Moore, was actually what you call paraplegic. He was paralyzed from the neck down. He couldn't do anything for himself. So then I started to look after him quite a bit, uh, and do a lot of office work and things like that there for him, doing out bills and stuff like that there. But 
I probably got the perfect job for a lot of you fellas out there. Um, I started to play PlayStation for him, and it ended up I used to get paid all day for playing PlayStation for him. Um, PlayStation, I don't know if the PlayStation's even about anymore, but there was Colin McRae rally back then, and I actually got very good at it because whenever you play all day and get paid for it, although it was only about two pound an hour getting paid, so it wasn't any ransom. Uh, anyway, I did that there, and after that, after school, I progressed on to Green Mountain College where I done a three year national diploma in agriculture. Um, and then from there, I went on to Lockery College and doing my HND in food supply management. And um, again, through Greenmount, wasn't really that difficult. I wasn't probably the Christian I should have been or maybe far from it, but it wasn't really anything bad. I just drifted along. Whenever I started Lockery, it um, was a different story. I started to get into the wrong crowd um, and started to mix with the wrong people, started to go to places that I shouldn't have went. Um, which I now look back and regret. It's not really their fault. That's what they did. It's my fault for getting involved with them. Um, and I would say to you, choose your friends wisely. Now, don't get me wrong. You can have Christian or you can have non-Christian friends, but don't get tied up in what they do. Um, as I did, you know, try and keep good Christian friends and start going out with your Christian friends because there's often said that that will take you further than you want to go and make you stay longer than you want to stay. And that's exactly what happened to me. I got into the wrong company and started to do stuff. And I'm not going to glorify the devil and give him the, the opportunity to say, but I did stuff that I regret now and was far from God and far from reading my Bible and praying to God. Um, you know, it says in Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, Wherefore, come ye out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Um Sorry, I've made a note here. Check time. I had to check a time there. I hope I'm not waffling on too long here. Um, I'll keep rattling on here. Um, so anyway, I I drifted along and I started to drop off attending church. I kind of felt like a hypocrite by going to church. Um, so I made excuses why I couldn't go or whatever. Um, which was just a downward spiral. And I I encourage you, as I say later on, to attend your church and get involved in it. Um, after Lockery, I went to work in in England for a summer on a farm over there, a 10,000-acre farm over in England, um, where I worked long hours. I worked long hours, and I worked eight weeks without a day off. That's including weekends. Um, and I loved it. I loved the experience. Um, I, I enjoyed everything about it. But again, I just drifted along, got into another crowd that were, I was quite happy to be in, didn't live the Christian life, went out and done things that I shouldn't have done. But one thing it did do for me, if anything, it opened my eyes that there's people out there and they just live for nothing else other than the world. They just live for that weekend. They can't wait to get out to party. They can't get out to get a drink. They can't get out. And nothing else matters to them other than that there. And during this time, I started to get convicted. Now, you see if anybody tells you, and I've heard people say it, and I don't agree. This is my personal opinion. If anybody tells you there's no pleasure in the world, they're wrong. There's lots of pleasure in the world but it's only for a season. There's no lasting pleasure in it. There's no, you wake up in the morning with regrets, maybe not knowing what you did, whatever. It is not pleasure for a season. It is far from a from a good experience. Um, whereas you get uh, good lasting pleasure from being with God. And, you know, mom often said to me, and I, and I never forgot it, and I often thought about it as I was growing up, her words were, if God come back today 
and had to come to find you, would you be happy where you are to be found? So in other words, if you were sitting somewhere like for Toxic, you're maybe uh, in the cinema watching a film, but the, the film was X-rated or whatever, and he had to come in to find you there, would you be happy that he had to come and find you there? And if you're not, then chances are you shouldn't be there. You know, if God's not going to, if it's not a place for God to come in there, that's not really a place for you to go to. That's just a bit of a challenge to you and think about what you're doing. And if you're not sure of anything, maybe you should apply that to it. Would you be happy for God to find me here? Um, so as I said, before coming home, I was heavy on a conviction. Um, and I knew that I had sinned badly against God. Uh, and I, I thought of a few verses and I'm just going to read them out very quickly. It says in 1st John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is our propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You see, God was telling me that he would, uh, that I had sinned, and yes, I had sinned badly, but I was never going to be righteous enough to enter heaven by myself, never by works. Um, it was only through the work of Jesus Christ and the cross I was ever going to get into heaven. So I started the to come back to God. And it says over in Jude chapter 1 verse 4. For there are certain men crept in on the words who were poor, old, ordained. Um, ordained. Sorry, I've lost my place. On the words who were ordained to be a condemnation. Godly men turning the grace of our God into life. Sorry, that's not the verse. I've lost my verse. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, anyway, I was coming back to God. And I prayed that God would get me home and that I would get good Christian friends that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with him and not with these people that I was dealing with at the minute. So I prayed to God, as I said, and it said in Hosea chapter 14, verse four, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely for my anger is turned away from him. So he loves the backslider. Even me who had turned, you know, I had left God, but God had never left me. Um, God has always been with me. I have never, many times I don't please him, but he, and he was encouraging me to come back home and get right with him and come back to him. And that's just what I did. It was only, and I prayed to God to that end. And short time after that, um, my now wife, which is Helen, uh, started texting me out of the blue. So God does answer prayer. Helen's a good Christian friend to get in with whenever I come home and we met up whenever we got back. Um, and she encouraged me and I got walking right with God again. And on the 31st of August, 2005, we got married. Um, so God does answer prayers. Now, I was supposed to read at the start, but I, I skipped away on, um, for I was down through my notes a wee bit, Ross, whenever you were asking me questions, I was skipping down through my notes and I forgot to read the wee verse at the start. But my text really for tonight was Proverbs 3. Five and six. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. And all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. You see, I during my time that I wasn't following God, I wasn't acknowledging Him, and I wasn't going to the way He wanted me to go. And that's how I started to fall away from God. So since I've come home and got saved, or not saved, but come back to Him, um, I've been trying to follow His way, and that way has led me into a whole lot of different ways. And I've started to acknowledge Him. Um, and God has led me into different things within church life, which I'm going to speak very briefly on tonight. Um, you see, when you're saved, 
um, what happens next? You're saved to serve, really. You're not just saved to sit and do nothing. Um, God wants you to work for him, to help in the, the progress of his work and tell others about him. So whenever I got saved uh, or come back, we started the Temple of Studer. Uh, and with Helm, myself, we started the Temple of the Studer. And the Studer is where I probably first ever led a meeting. At that stage, it was Johnny Reid and Sharon, well, Sharon Dick at that time were the leaders in the Studer. Um, and Johnny asked me to lead, and I was nervous as anything. So I hope whenever you are asked to lead that you aren't too nervous and you get up and do it, because that's where I started to lead. But I'm just going to lean on to a couple of a couple of questions, and if you want to answer, you probably won't because it's a bit awkward. But if you want to answer, shout out an answer. Um, first of all, the question I want you to say: What is your perception of church? Just answer that even in your own head. What's your perception of church? Is it a place you attend on a Sunday? Is it a place you just turn up to and listen to what the preacher has to say and then go home again, and that's it? See you again next Sunday. Or is it a place that you uh, you just want to gain something from, but you never want to give anything back to? And I hope that's not it. You see, the church needs many different people. The church needs many different people to make the whole thing work. Um, and that takes many different people with many different talents and many different gifts. It says in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. What what uh, Paul is saying here is that uh, the church has many different bodies, or many different members. So the body has a hand, the body has an eye, the body has an ear, the body has... And if it was all one eye, how would you hear? If it was all one ear, how would you see? It takes all these different parts to make up one body, but it's all still the one body. And it's the same within the church. Um, it says in verse 28 of the same chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, And God has said in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, government, diversities of tongues. So what he's saying here is there's all different stages within a church. We're not all called to be a preacher. It says, goes on on the verse 31, Paul is saying, we, but we all have a gift of some sort and we should use it to God's glory. So some of you, you'll never be a preacher. You'll maybe never be a missionary. You'll maybe never be anything other than, uh, you might never leave this country to go and do anything else, but there is a work for you to do. Um, and you should put, if God asks you to do it, you should put all your effort into doing it. Um, if I asked you tonight, Shout out, maybe you don't want to shout out, what different jobs are within the church? Name a few jobs within the church, even in your own heads. I wrote a list out here. There's a preacher, there's an elder, deacon, Sunday school teacher, somebody who leads the courses in the children meeting, memory verse, somebody who gives out the memory verse, a bus driver, the cleaner, someone who sits in a children's meeting while the children are there, someone who helps lead or take part in the sports when there's a holiday Bible club. The caretaker, somebody who records or does the audio. Now, I'm, it's just a list that maybe shouldn't have went on for so long, but there's loads of jobs within the church. Whenever you throw your piece of paper in the bin and you come back next Sunday and it's cleared, somebody has cleared it. So what I'm going to do is challenge you to get involved in your church. Um, I first started out helping out in the studer. 
um, by leading. That gave me a bit more confidence, which has now led on to uh, I've become a deacon in my church or a committee man, as they call it, in the free church, doing different things. Uh, and I encourage you to get involved in all that sort of work. Um, I drove the bus in the church. That's not a very exciting job, um, but I lifted older people in Hillsborough Church and they loved it. They couldn't thank me enough for doing it because I couldn't get out to church any other way. And you see, all these things make the church go. If the minister turns up and nobody else turns up, it's not much of a meeting for him. Um, there'll not be many people enjoy it. Um, everybody has a part to do. Um, I know a guy and he works with children a lot around schools. Uh, and one of his biggest encouragements is people who ring him during the week and say, ring him during the week and say, where are you going this week? How can I pray for you? What can I do to help you along type thing? You mightn't be a preacher. You mightn't be somebody that uh, is very good at driving or anything like that there, but you maybe are good at praying. You may be good at encouraging other people. Um, it says in Psalm 84 and verse 10, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. It's just saying there that... Uh, You'd be better doing something small for God than spend your life wasted. Um, and I think that's an encouragement to all of you. Um, all of you should do something. Should it be anything? Talking to a stranger that comes in, are any, you know, I challenge to you just in your own head, are any helping out? Do any of you do anything in the church? Could you invite a friend to the studer? Um, I know it's very hard maybe to do that now because you're not actually out in the studer, but could you, could you, do it. Uh, I heard a story once of a woman um, who the, the, the minister was given a challenge what they could do and she said to the minister afterwards she says uh, I can't do anything for God I'm just a woman I stay at home all day I don't go anywhere what could I do for God and he says well the next person comes to your door why do you not witness to them you see people come so the next morning apparently door milkman was at the door and she opened the door and she said to him about God and how she was Christian and started giving a short word of testimony and the man actually said that he had been thinking about those things and that she was very pleased that she had actually spoke to him and he got saved through it. So there's a woman thought she could do nothing for God so could you speak to a friend, could you do anything out there, use your gift that God has given you um, it is often heard, I'm sure you've often heard it said, it's not your ability it is your availability, if you're available to work for God and you're in God's service, God will provide you with the ability to do it um, maybe someday you'll go off to be a missionary I don't know none of you maybe know what's ahead of you um, what a day can bring forth but I believe your work has to start at home I believe it has to start in your church and that's by doing small things by doing big things I don't know it could lead off by just being the, the uh, person who cleans up every Sunday or disinfects the church or whatever it is and goes on to being big things. But I don't think you can go on to be a missionary if you're not willing to help at home in your own church, to be honest. Um, and I'll just finish off um, by a quote from William Carey. William Carey was a missionary in India and he said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. You know, you can't expect God to do great things through you if you're not willing to do great things for him. If you're not willing to step out, you know, most of you people have heard of C.H. Spurgeon, W.P. Nicholson, Amy Carmichael, 
all those people who went and done great things for God, most of them people are just normal people like you and me. Um, and they have just went out in God's will. God has asked them in his will to go and do something. They've accepted it. Maybe they're nervous like me. I'm not a speaker, as you've figured out by now. Um, they've went and done because God has asked them to do it. And the rewards have been great for God. Do everything to the glory of God. Nothing through yourself. Do not look for any glory yourself. Do it all to the glory of God and get involved in his work. So basically include, if you're saved tonight, get involved. Do something. Sit in that children's meeting to, to help the leaders who are maybe doing the courses and the things to settle the children down. If you can drive tonight, Naomi, you're talking about starting lessons. Um, go and drive a bus if you can. Bring in the children. The children's meeting is no use if people don't bring in the children. Um, it's good to hear Mark. I, I, I listen to a few stories or a few services, if you like, before I come on to speak. I heard Samuel and Samuel's on here tonight. I'm glad I heard you speak, Samuel and Sam. I'm glad Mark spoke. I heard Daniel. It's great to hear you, young man, coming up through. Unfortunately, I remember you starting the studer as very young, and which makes me feel very old now because whenever I see now young men who are going on to do things, um, and it's great to see, and it's great to see that you are still getting involved in the work. And I encourage you to do that. And if you're not saved here tonight, I pray that you get saved and get involved in God. You'll never regret it. If that's one guarantee I can give you out of anything, is you'll regret all the years you weren't saved, but you'll never regret the years you are saved. I want to thank you for listening. Um, if you have any questions, um, I don't know how that works, or do you normally have questions? I'm sure nobody has questions, but yeah. I'd like to thank you for listening. Does it, I'll just say quickly, I, thank you very much, Stephen. Does anybody have any questions at all for Stephen surrounding, uh, the talk tonight? Does anybody, usually we do have a little quick, somebody maybe has a question or two. Does anybody have any questions? Maybe everybody's very quiet tonight. I have a quick question, Stephen. You know, I wouldn't want to go home without any questions. <laughs> But sometimes people think, um, you know, I'm just going to wait until someone comes and, and gets me to do a work. But what do you think about that? Should you just sit and wait and someone will come and get and, and give you the work or, or do you need to sort of go looking for it sometimes? Um, that's actually a good question. I skipped through my notes because it was going longer than I thought. But uh, one of the notes I made down here, getting older doesn't help. If you think I'll wait till I get older and I'll be able to do that, well, it maybe does with the driving, sorry to be fair. But uh, but in terms of helping out, it doesn't help. Older, still, I still nervous about talking tonight. I don't feel any more comfortable about talking tonight than I did 10 years ago. Um, it's just not my thing. But I would encourage you to get involved. Don't just wait till somebody comes. Um, now, I did... I my one of my first jobs was driving the bus, as I said, for Hillsborough Free Presbyterian Church. And I remember being heavily under conviction and thinking, I could drive that bus. There's short of drivers, I could drive that bus. But I was afraid to ask. And eventually somebody come to me within a few weeks and says, Would you ever think of driving the bus for short of drivers? And I remember thinking, God had to come to me. Why could I not have just had the courage and go and do it? And because it was obvious that the, the vacancy was there and I could fill it. And I've always loved driving, so I was happy to do it. Um, and whenever you did it, you really appreciated the people that 
got on the buses. It was older women that were in their 80s and they loved church and it was the only way they could get to church. So it was a very rewarding work, although nobody really thinks about a bus driver. You know, all the children that come into children's meeting, nobody really says, oh, it's not bus driver. Great. Look what he did. He brought in 20 children there. Um, not that he should want praise, but what I mean is nobody really thinks about the bus driver. They maybe think of the person that's leading the meeting, but they need the bus driver. Um, so, yes, if you're available and somebody says we could do with helpers and, you know, for the Holiday Bible Club, somebody come and sit in the meeting. We need somebody to organize the games and you know you're good at organizing. You know you're good at games. Get involved. Nobody's going to turn you away. But I suppose, first of all, what I should have said and, and among all that there, to get involved in the work and to be successful, maybe you should get saved first. You know, you should be saved. And whenever you're talking to people about getting God, uh, it's good to be saved and promote Christianity, I suppose, too. You know, within the church, it's not maybe just the right thing to not be saved and turn on and promote the church and you're not even fully saved either, you know. Hope that answers the question. Has anyone got any more questions for David just before we close up here? Go, David. Oh, not David, sorry. (laughs) Stephen. (laughs) (laughs) Getting confused. I'm happy you said that. It's been a long week, long week. Any other questions at all for Stephen? I don't think I see any takers here. Uh, Stephen, thank you very much for coming along tonight. And... uh, bringing the word and just the importance that it is to to take that opportunity whenever we will have it to serve in the church and to serve others that's what we're here for um that's our purpose and uh Stephen would you like to close up on a wee word of prayer for us yeah that's okay thank you dear lord and heavenly father we just thank you tonight lord for all that you've done for us lord we thank you for sending your son to die on the cross lord we thank you that he rose victorious on that third day lord we thank you for the price that he paid, Lord. We thank you for taking away the sins of the world, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that we can trust in him, Lord, and that, that your promise is sure that if we trust in you, that we can go to heaven, Lord. We just pray for all the young people tonight, Lord, all those who have been listening, all those who maybe go to the studio that haven't been able to make it, Lord. I pray that you bless each and every one of them. I pray for Ross, Rebecca, John, and David, Lord. We pray them for them as leaders, that you would help them and that you would guide them that you would help them make the decisions, Lord, and that they would do everything to your honor and to your glory, Lord. We just pray for the young people as they grow up. We thank you for them. We thank you for their attendance. And we pray that you'd even guide them in the way that they you would have them to go, Lord, that they would even acknowledge you and that they would um, find you directing their paths, Lord, and that they would be even willing to accept it, Lord. Just ask all these things in Christ's name we ask it. Amen.